Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Hey guys, today I'm going to talk about the Max and Janine Jones case. So this is the second woman named Janine Jones that I'll be talking about on this podcast. The first was an episode called Baby Killer, and that was about the nurse, Janine Jones. Only her name was spelled G-E-N-E-N-E, and today's Janine Jones is spelled J-A-N-E-E-N-E. I hadn't heard about this case, which surprised me because there are a few different popular crime shows that I frequent, and they've all done episodes about this case. I was shocked still. Before I jump in, I just want to thank you so much for tuning into Storytime Slayer podcast. I am your host, Haley Lira. Go check out my Facebook, YouTube. It's under the name Storytime Slayer. I also have an Instagram. It's called story underscore time underscore slayer. And this is where I'm going to post all the related photos, videos, and any content pertaining to each case episode. Don't forget, if you subscribe to my podcast through Anchor or Spotify, you'll get a bonus episode each month. Okay, let's jump in. So in 1991, a carpenter named Max Jones meets Janine Lee Monsell in Northport, Florida. Max was 32 and Janine was 29 at the time. So Janine had been divorced twice and was a single mother with a young son when the couple met. She had married a man named Albert Campbell from 1983 to 1984 And then she married a man named Philip Stewartman from 1985 to 1991. So she's clearly jumping from one relationship to the next. Regardless, though, Max and Janine have a whirlwind romance and they're married by October of 1991. Janine must have either been pregnant when she got married or gotten pregnant like immediately after with a honeymoon baby. It's actually a little bit sweet. I just want to mention this on a side note that the summer she was pregnant, she was going to a friend's baby shower and they surprised her with her own baby shower. I thought that was like a really fun idea. So this means in 1991, Janine was fucking busy. She got a divorce. She started a new relationship. She got married and she got pregnant. Wow. They had their son, Zach, in June of 1992, and then in 1994, they had a baby girl who they named Alexandria and went by the nickname Alex. So Max is a carpenter and construction worker, and he always kept a steady job, very hard worker, where Janine was a little bit of everything. She bounced around from job to job, but still... Janine and Max are said to have had a pretty modest but happy life in the beginning years. They seemed pretty content with what they had and where they were at. The couple was very popular. They had a lot of friends. People really liked them. Plus, they were members of a church they attended regularly as a family. And you know how that goes. You always be meeting people. So the first couple years, they're just walking on sunshine and roses. Max is said to have been a really relaxed guy, a lot of fun to be around. He was a musician, he was funny, and he was like really goofy, and he always walked around with a home camera. Everything was, like I said, sunshine and roses till about 1996, 1997-ish. A lot goes into this sort of slow-burning tension that develops between Max and Janine. I would say, first and foremost, they had been living hand-to-mouth paycheck to paycheck for years and I think that takes a toll on any relationship then secondly 
I'm betting Max kind of resented Janine for the fact that he was the one who worked really long and really hard manual labor hours being a carpenter and construction worker so that he could make the ends meet. You know, that just kind of leads to natural tension in relationships. Then to top that off, Janine gets a job working as a correction officer for a jail. And you'd think, oh my gosh, that's great. Like more money. She's got a job. Things should get better. No, this job royally F's everything up. So for one, Janine grew up in a military household and it was apparent when she got this job at the jail, she loved being in a position of authority. So I'm just going to go ahead and guess that that became a problem. According to their son, Zach, and family friend, John, Max and Janine start to really go at each other. Max kind of changes a little bit. He becomes angry. He's a hothead. He starts getting a bad temper. Him and Janine are yelling at each other all the time. They're arguing more and more and more. However, this wasn't like public knowledge. You had to be a real insider, like either a member of the family or Max's best friend, John, to know how bad the fights were. Then everything comes to a boiling point when Janine gets let go from work. Like I said, she was a correction officer at the Charlotte County Jail, but only for about six months. And she resigns in February of 1997 when she's been caught having an affair with an inmate named Christopher Proper. The way she got caught was she had given another inmate a note to pass to her lover, Christopher, and that inmate tipped off Janine's supervisor. So then the jail conducted a search of Christopher's cell where they found a bunch of letters. Now, the letters were written in Janine's handwriting, but they were signed Lisa. Like, I guess she probably signed a different name in case she got caught. They also, though, found a picture of her in Chris's cell as well. According to an article on the Port Charlotte Sun, Janine also talked to Chris's parents a lot. Like they would call her on her home phone and she would talk to them and she referred to Chris's mom as mom and letters that she'd written to him. So this was basically where things really got effed up between Max and Janine. Like Max started to hate Janine and I don't blame him. The couple basically didn't speak or they fought and argued constantly. And I'm talking big nasty, nasty fights. Family friend John said that the things Max and Janine would say to each other was wild and he would get his ass knocked out if he talked to his wife like that. But despite the affair, despite the mounting tension, despite the financial mess, the couple decided to stick it out probably either for the kids or again, they were really broke. They lived paycheck to paycheck. I think it's really hard to see how you can possibly separate from somebody when you can't even make your finances work together and there's kids involved. It, it's just messy, y'all. It's just messy. Regardless, the couple sticks it out another 14 years. And in 2011, Max becomes really sick. He has severe stomach pains. Several times he has to be hospitalized. Rapid weight loss. Just very sick. But no doctors could diagnose the root cause of what was making Max so sick. Zach said that Thanksgiving rolls around and the tension between his parents was at an all-time high. Zach was 19, Alex was 17, and he said his parents basically just were not even speaking to each other. 
then November 27th, 2011, Max was in his room and he was either yelling or grunting loudly, making some kind of inaudible noises. So Janine and her daughter Alex were home and they ran in the room to check on Max. Alex said her dad's color wasn't right. He was pale. He wasn't breathing. He looked like he was dying. So Janine dials 911. Paramedics arrive and Max is unable to be resuscitated. They believe he suffered a heart attack. So Max ultimately dies November 27th, 2011 at the age of 52. No autopsy is performed. And within days of Max passing away, Janine has him cremated. Her daughter, Alex, said Janine did not shed a single tear over Max passing. So three months after Max dies, Janine gets back up on her horse and she goes in a totally new direction with her life. She wasn't poor anymore because she'd gained about a million dollars from Max's life insurance policy. So she's 49 and she's starting to do things that people never had expected from her. Mama went from rags to riches, y'all. She gets a boob job. She starts dating younger men. She sells the family home and buys a new home with some of the insurance money. And then she just starts selling all Max's stuff. As if this is not all a lot to take in, she does something extremely shocking. She shacks up with a guy half her age. It was a cable guy named Matt Riley Smith, and he was, I think, 26 at the time. Janine really needed some income, though, so she decided to start a business with Matt flipping houses. And basically, she would buy foreclosed homes, remodel, repair them, and then rent them out. And she was really successful at this just within months. Okay, so basically, remember there was a big real estate boom through the early 2000s, but then in 2008, the market had completely crashed. So by 2011, there's a lot of foreclosed homes available to buy for cheap. And Janine would buy these homes and then her Matt and remember Max's best friend John. John was a plumber, so they would repair these homes together and then rent them out, like I said. And it was a really successful business. She called the business My Retirement, and it was an LLC. By the way, all of this starts to happen relatively quickly after Max had died. So I'm sure people were a little bit taken aback by Janine's new lifestyle. Then one day out of the blue, Janine asked some friends over for dinner, and it was a couple that had known Max and Janine for years. When the couple gets to her house, Janine pulls them inside and said that she was really glad that they came because Janine and her boyfriend, Matt, had some really big news. And Janine explained to the couple that Alex and Zach are probably going to be pretty upset about it. So she basically invited this couple she'd known forever to cushion the blow of whatever she was going to say to Alex and Zach. And the big news was shocking. Janine and her 26-year-old lover, Matt, had eloped in Las Vegas and were now married. People were shocked. I do not think her kids were happy at all. Zach said years later in an interview that he never liked Matt. So after some time, Janine starts telling people her version of her relationship with Max. And according to her, Max was very abusive. He was verbally, mentally, and physically abusive. Now, this is news to everybody. 
Um, I think a lot of people picked up that the couple had serious problems, but nobody ever thought that Max was abusive. And I don't ever think it was proven that he was abusive. This is just kind of, I think, Janine's excuse for why she was able to change her life so quickly and move on with another person. Then a real bomb drops. So, okay. Remember the longtime BFF of Max that I keep mentioning, John. John's last name is Chamberlain, and he had been Max's best friend for years. He was also a plumber by trade, and because of that, Janine hired John to help her repair the foreclosed homes that she was renting out. John did not think anything was wrong at first. It was a really successful business. Everybody was making money, and he was even able to rent out one of her houses for a really discounted rate. But John said that he got really suspicious after he realized several of the homes needed the keyhole drilled out. So let me explain. John said the very first time he got involved with any of Janine's houses, she had called him up at like 11 at night and said she really, really needed some work done at a house. And apparently the tenants were super desperate to move in. So they wanted to get it done that night. John, of course, being a longtime friend and probably because Max died was like, okay, yeah, I'll come help you out. So he said when he got there, the house key had been lost, so they had to drill through the door keyhole. And it really didn't seem that weird the first time. But then it kept happening, and it happened a second time, and a third time, and so on and so forth. So John thought this was super suspicious. Then to add to John's suspicions, he got a call from a tenant that said the actual homeowner of the property she was renting from Janine showed up and said that Jan Jones was not the rightful owner and this woman was being evicted. John finally put all the pieces together and he didn't want any part of what Janine's scam was. So he gives them Janine's real number. What was happening was Janine and Matt were actually breaking into vacant homes, repairing whatever needed done, cleaning them up, and then illegally renting them out to tenants. And then they used burner phones so that if anything did go wrong, nobody actually knew how to get a hold of Janine and Matt. They even went as far as forging deeds and documentation to make it look like they owned these homes. Okay, quick side note. And this is pure speculation, but I think maybe John did have a slight, slight idea something illegal was going on, and it wasn't until the house of cars started sagging that he decided whatever entanglement he was in, he did not want to go to jail over. So he's out. He's out on the whole scam. Well, he doesn't go to police initially. What happened is Janine gets outright pissed off at John and decides to evict him from the house he was staying in. And I don't even know if she legally owned the house John was staying in. But regardless, she sent Matt to go tell John he was being evicted. And John and Matt get into a really nasty argument. And John decides, fuck it. And he reports Janine to the Northport Police Department January of 2013. And apparently at this point, Janine and Matt and John had repaired and rented out dozens of houses. And the reason I say I think John was a part of the scheme until he got cold feet when a homeowner called and caught them is because in his interview with police when he went and turned her in, John said 
He heard Matt say none of the houses were legally obtained by him and Janine, but he was trying to get Janine set up to make ten dollars to $15,000 a month. And I just don't know why Matt would go willy-nilly saying that to John unless John was privy to the scam. Like I said, speculation. But guys, that is not all that John had to say. John tells police that he thinks Janine may have killed her husband, Max. Max was thought to have had a heart attack, but remember, no autopsy was actually performed, and Janine had him cremated within days of his passing. Then a short time after having Max cremated, she asked John if he would hold on to Max's ashes. This really bothered John, and so he'd always been a little suspicious that maybe she was the one who killed Max. Police had heard whispers that Janine had possibly killed Max for the last two years, and as much as they thought it was very, very likely, it was next to impossible to prove, so they just decided to really take a deep dive into this case of fraud. Police gather all this information and begin running surveillance on Janine, and they got a big stroke of luck. While building this fraud case, Janine had recently become BFFs with the chick named Becky. Becky gives the police department a big tip. According to her, Janine is trying to put a hit out on John because he knew too much about her illegal business practices. So police decide to use this tip from Becky to set Janine up. On February 20th, 2013, Becky agrees to wear a hidden camera and an audio wire to meet up with Janine and discuss the hit on John. The two women go to a restaurant named Sweet Tomato and police wait in a car outside the restaurant while listening to Becky's wire. Janine clearly states that her target was John, the old friend and plumber who turned her in. She wanted him dead because he just knew too much. On the video and audio, Janine gives Becky John's address, his physical description, and then she does this like ghetto blueprint of John's house on a napkin. She even gives notes about like what pets John has and about him having an 11-year-old daughter. Janine had a cruise coming up and she wanted the murders to happen while she was gone on the cruise or right before so that she would have an airtight alibi. So next thing that police set up is for Becky to introduce Janine to her quote-unquote hit man. They set this meeting up February 25th, 2013. Of course, the hit man is actually an undercover police officer, obviously. And the undercover officer said in his interview that he was really surprised how normal Janine looked. Janine talked in great deal with this hitman about her plan. As they discussed the details in his car, Janine actually was giving him directions and showed him John's home and which window led to where John slept. When asked how she would want John killed, she told the officer, maybe snack his neck in his sleep or something to that effect. Janine told the officer that if the 11-year-old girl got in the way or became an issue, to go ahead and just kill her too. As if things cannot get more effed up, before closing the deal on this contract killing, she actually asks him if she can go ahead and just put in for a second person to be killed. Like, no big deal. We're, it, she acts like she's at a damn drive through I mean, we're talking about casually asking someone to murder not only one person, but two people now. I wonder if she was trying to get a discount. The second person that Janine asked to be killed was her husband, Matt. And she wanted Matt killed just because she had a life insurance policy on him for a million dollars that had gone into effect a month prior. So she basically wanted Matt killed strictly for financial gain. 
Police need an exchange of money to arrest her, so Janine and the hitman settle on $4,000 to kill John, $4,000 to kill Matt, and Janine needed to give $1,000 down to the undercover officer. Wow. No loyalty. She suggested Matt be killed and maybe like a carjacking gone wrong or something of that nature. She gives the undercover officer a partial payment. And then once she steps out of the vehicle, she is immediately arrested. Y'all, she actually peed her pants when she was arrested. Uh, Could you imagine like getting arrested and being processed is not a fast process. Imagine having damn pissed your pants and sitting in it the whole time. That's for sure what she deserved, though. So Janine is charged with two felony counts for solicitation of murder in the first degree. Matt was so shocked when he found out that his wife had plotted to have him murdered, but he initially actually refused to work with investigators. Together, the couple had a combined 33 charges just dealing with the real estate scheme. They got a divorce in October of 2013, and eventually Matt did agree to flip on Janine in exchange for testifying against her. He was charged with just one count of scheming to defraud and given a four-year probation period. Plus, he was ordered to pay $17,500 in restitution. Janine goes to trial in May of 2014, and she pleads no contest and was ultimately sentenced to life without parole. Janine's children were obviously shook and they truly believe she did in fact murder their father Max. Alex said in an interview that she asked her mom if she killed Max and Janine wouldn't answer which basically told Alex all she needed to know. Needless to say everyone rethought everything they ever knew about Janine. She was a liar. She was a scammer. She was a con artist. And guys, she does not look like a con woman. She legit looks like a frumpy middle-aged woman when all this happened. And that always surprises me the most. I have an idea in my head of what a woman who's willing to do this sort of things looks like. And it's never a frumpy middle-aged woman or quote, normal looking person. Anyway, I'm really glad though that this happened in Florida because Florida is an F around and find out state when it comes to their sentencing. She has lost all her appeals thus far, and I just don't see her ever getting out. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning into Storytime Slayer. Be on the lookout because that merch drop is here. Okay, guys, have a great day. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.